provide the historic River Market District in downtown Kansas City, Missouri. From the banks of the beautiful crystal blue waters of the Missouri River, it is Two Douchebags and Microphone Podcast. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. Don't be ashamed of who you are. That's your parents' job. If a 10-pound bag of shit could talk, this is what it would sound like. Um, which is just about over. Uh, And this podcast will be out before that, the Black History Month part of it. Make sure that we get it in February. Good deal. Yep. All right. Well, I wanted to talk about the Quindaro town site. Um, people in the uh, Kansas City area kind of know about Quindaro um, to some degree. Um, it's mostly known now as a bad part of town that you don't want to go to and um, um, high crime area, disadvantaged, you know, economic. And it's also area. known as a. Stay the hell out of Whitey area. Yeah, yeah. When I was, uh, when I first started at the post office in uh, 1988. I can say that. I'm considered white during the winter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, go ahead. Um, I delivered, <clears throat> excuse me, I worked at the Robert L. Roberts station, which is at North 54th and Leavenworth Road in KCK. And if you drive east on Leavenworth Road, I think that turns into Brown Avenue. Yeah, and then Quindaro right. yes. angles off from there. Yeah, they they have the streets up there that are diagonal, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because no other place, no other in the what six county area, yeah, has diagonal roads. Well, J C Nichols, the the guy who developed Johnson County and, and uh, Country oh, Club Plaza, human being. he started in Wyandotte <laughs> County. So there's yeah. some neighborhoods that he designed and built in Wyandotte County. But he decided the county's too small. I need to expand bigger, and then he moved yeah. to Johnson County. Um, but the Quindaro area was not was not on but his radar. Mention, we won't mention him too much because we we are talking about Black History. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's he should not be in the conversation. No, you can look it up yourself. So I remember being at Twelfth and Quindaro and pulling a uh, collection box. So this was blue boxes on the corner that you can deposit your mail in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened that sucker up, and there was a used hypodermic needle sitting on top of the mail. Oof. It's like, yeesh, I'm not reaching in there. So I just closed the back up and called my boss and said, yeah, I'm not pulling that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, the Quindaro town site um, actually has uh, quite an amazing history, even though it was, it was, it's a brief history. Um, it's a settlement... It was a settlement, then a ghost town, and now it's considered an archaeological district. Oddly enough, right about the time I was starting to work for the Postal Service, that's when Quindaro was kind of unearthed and and dug out from the dirt and everything else that kind of settled over it. Um, It's around North 27th Street and the Missouri Pacific Railroad tracks in KCK. Uh, It was settled by abolitionists in 1856. Uh, the population peaked at about 600, so it was never very big. Wow. Um, huh. <coughs> this is so different than I thought. Yeah, yeah keep, keep going. That's very the, uh, interesting. The New England Emigrant Aid Company, which was trying to secure Kansas as a free territory, mm-hmm. uh, was putting a lot of money and effort into getting immigrants to come and settle in the area and be anti-slavery. 
Yeah, I, and a big part of the Civil War was the Bushwhackers and the Jayhawkers. Mm-hmm. And if you ever get a chance, look it up because this rivalry still goes on to this day, yes. not just in colleges, but in people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the natural dislike for each other. Yes, yeah, it's it's sparked over slavery. They call it states' rights and all that, but it, it was slavery. Yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> yeah, back then, if you would have asked them what it was about, I would mm-hmm. I would dare to venture that very few of them would have said states' rights. Yeah. So, anyhow. Jayhawk is, or Jayhawker, that's a perfect example of a of, of an insult that has become um, a proud name. Because Jayhawker yeah, that's right. was a term come up with by the Missourians to describe people who, let's just say, liked people of color mm-hmm. in uh, a certain way. It was supposed to be a devastating insult, yeah. but but like but then it became the University of Kansas uh-huh. mascot, and they uh-huh. changed it into a bird. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's it's, very, it's like the yeah. word queer yeah. used to be a devastating insult to gay people, but the gay community to took their it credit, on. They and, they embraced it. Yes, and, and now said, it's, you know what we're going to use this they took as it back, our yeah. word. Yeah. So the term Jayhawker was basically equivalent to in bomb lover. If you're familiar with that term, I didn't know that. Yeah, wow. and it, it was it was also derogatory in the sense that at the time people of color were considered subhuman, and therefore having sex with one would be an act of bestiality, like having sex with a horse or a sheep. So it was the extra insult worked in that way. So calling someone a jayhawker was saying you sleep with animals, for example, black people. But the Kansas people said, you know what, we're proud to be that, and you call us that, but we don't care. So they adopted the name and said, go ahead and call us that, because we don't care. It doesn't hurt our feelings. That's cool. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So anyway, let me continue here. Um, So there were a number of villages hugging the the Missouri River and the bluffs. It was a free state port of entry for abolitionist forces of Kansas. Now, mind you, Missouri was a slave state. Missouri at this time, Missouri was a slave state, and this is along the Kansas River before it merges with the Missouri River downtown. So you have that little triangle there, three Mm -hmm. distinct pieces. Yep. And it, well, I guess if someone doesn't know, they wouldn't understand what I'm saying, but. Anyhow, it's a very unique area because the Missouri River and the Kansas River join. So you have Kansas on one side and two sides of Missouri joining all at this one area. Yeah, yeah. Missouri's coming in from the north, from, Mon- from uh, I think, Montana and Minnesota yes. is the origin way up yeah. there. And then the Kansas River is coming in from western, from the west, from Kansas. Yeah. And then and they meet up and become the Missouri, and then in St. Louis it meets up at the Mississippi and becomes the Mississippi. Yeah, and right in this area there's a lot of hills and really steep bluffs because of the river and how it was formed years and years, you know, so many years ago. And Mm -hmm. so um, it was a great place for battles because it was a great place to hide. Yep, lots of high ground. The the bluffs had caves in them. Yeah. there's, you know, water source. And also, there's a, you can still go out there to a lot of these areas are still not inhabited because it's just too steep and bluffy. Yeah. You can go in there and find arrowheads, old weapons, old, um, old, um, like Prius. old cookware from, yeah. from settlers. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just sitting there undisturbed because nobody can develop it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it, Quindaro became a really good place for the people to get off 
the river traffic before going into the slave state of Missouri. So it was like, you know, here's this last stop where you can get off before, you know, Missouri slave state. You better, you know. So Quindaro um, was also there to stop the westward spread of slavery because mm-hmm. they didn't want Kansas and then, the, you know, the other states falling into it. Um, Quindaro also became very uh, important as a uh, connection in the Underground Railroad. Uh, people could leave Missouri or come north out of Arkansas and go into Kansas and, uh, you know, raiding parties would come over from Missouri and try to try to recover people. But uh, the, the people in the town of Quindaro were very good at helping them hide. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, but then Kansas was established as a free state. Mm-hmm. I mean, it became a state, and you know the federal government said, "Okay, this is the free state; no slavery allowed." So the port and the economic growth in the uh, commercial district of Quindaro started slowing down. And you know, so this has only been like ten years. Um, but you know, it's not like it uh, became abandoned; it's just it stopped growing. Yeah. Uh, in 1862, there were classes started for children of former slaves. Uh, and in 1865, a group of men chartered the Quindaro Freedmen's School, which later became Western University. I'll be damned. Yeah. And that was the first black school west of the Mississippi. I'm surprised they it don't was in push Quindaro. that more. I didn't know that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That's um, very cool. Former slaves continued to gather in the community. Um, it became mostly African American by the late 19th century. Um, then it was incorporated into Kansas City, Kansas in the early 20th century. And uh, it stopped being Quindaro and it became part of Kansas City, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then the Western University itself closed in 1943. So it's been closed for quite some time. Um, during the uh, Great Depression, uh, Quindaro shut, suffered as well as everything else, um, but there was also an economic depression uh, after the Civil War. Um, the towns, the lower commercial town site of Quindaro was abandoned and became overgrown. Uh, the, the stuff up on the bluff uh, stayed uh, uh, occupied. Um, the lower commercial town site wasn't even rediscovered until the 1980s during an archaeological survey. Wow. They dug it up and said, oh my God, here's a whole town site. And so much was preserved because it had been covered over by dirt and nobody ever bothered to try to develop it. So it was all sitting there waiting. Uh, Revealed many aspects of the 1850s era town. Uh, The only surviving structure from Western University and Quindaro is a full-size statue of the abolitionist John Brown. Wow. That's all that's left. That's it, huh? Uh, in eight, 1978, they established the John, John Brown Memorial Plaza, where the statue is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Quindaro Town Site is a national commemorative site as of ni- 2019, and the National Park Service is uh, providing maintenance and funds for it. Um, some of the other interesting stuff that I figured out about it... Um, it was a natural rock ledge was the, was the upper town site and that made it perfectly suitable for a port because the water was like 6 to 12 feet 
deep there. So ships could come right up to this rock ledge, tie off, you can load and unload. Wow. Okay. Just perfect natural port. Um, there was uh, uh, a man named Abelard Guthrie. I'm sorry, it might be Abelard. Uh, he is accredited as the founder who purchased land for the settlement, named it after his wife, Nancy Quindero Brown Guthrie. Uh, Quindero um, means bundle of sticks or strength through numbers in the Wyandotte language. And his wife, Nancy, was a member of the Wyandotte tribe. Um, at one time, Quindero had the largest sawmill in Kansas. Didn't know that. Yeah. Um, most residences were up on the high bluff, the upper town side. In the first year, they built over a hundred buildings because uh, there was tons of, of stone and wood and just raw materials everywhere to build. Wow. They had uh, hotels, dry goods stores, hardware stores, grocery stores, two churches, and a school. And the tribal natives living there became part of the community. They weren't kicked out. They said, no, nope, you're part of us now. Cool. You know, you're welcome. Stay right here. Very cool. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Uh, John Morgan Walden was one of the uh, young men attracted to Quindero, and he, he started the free soil paper called the Quindero Chindawan. Uh, Chindawan or Chindawan means leader in the okay. Wyandotte language. Um, so I'm he go with Chindawan. Um. <laughs> he uh, he ran this paper for a while, and then uh, eventually became a missionary, and then later became a bishop in the Methodist Church. Oh wow! Interesting. All these ties to Quindaro. Yep. Um, the Underground Railroad part. This is this is really cool. After the Kansas Nebraska Act in, in 1854. Um, I'm not exactly sure on the Kansas Nebraska Act. I have to look that up too. But that that was. Um, something pivotal in the role of slavery and the expansion and the uh, I think it was having to do with as territories became states they got to decide whether they would be a free state or a slave state so at that point the race was on to settle these new territories with people who felt the way you did so when it became a state you could have it join as either free state or slave state um but after that act was passed, a western branch of the Underground Railroad was developed in Kansas. Uh, Quindaro was linked to this and the Lane Trail, which is a fairly famous trail in the Underground Railroad. It was a new route of escape, um, a great place for uh, slaves escaping out of Missouri, which was, you know, right there. Because um, Kansas wasn't established as a free state until 1861. Yeah. Um... Clarina Nichols was a writer for the Quindaro Chindawan. She was a friend of Susan B. Anthony. Oh, wow. Yeah, favorite, famous abolitionist. And famous um, uh, coin dollar. Yep. And she was uh, also a crusader for the rights of women and children. She was a conductor, this Clarina Nichols, she was a conductor and station master of the Underground Railroad in Quindaro. I'll be damned. Yeah. So they actually used the railroad terminology for their uh, executives. Um, she, uh, she wrote a letter uh, about a time when a, a freedom seeker named Caroline was brought to her house mm -hmm. and there were 14 slave hunting hunters including her former slave master who were camped out at the edge of town looking for her and so she took her into her home and 
hid her in this elaborately disguised cistern overnight. It's like an outdoor water tank. Uh-huh. And then as soon as uh, as soon as it was light, sent her on north, and uh, all those people camping outside of town to try to recapture her never had an idea where she was. Uh-huh. By the time they came into town, she was gone. Good. Um... So let's see. the 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 decline of Wyandotte was actually fairly fairly quick. Um, they couldn't attract a railroad to come make a big uh, stop there. Um, the Union Army recruited away a lot of the young men for the Civil War. Um, the economy declined because of overspeculation in Kansas. Um, real estate and uh, agricultural crops they they people would say oh it's going to be a boom you know it's going to be great and they'd sink a bunch of money in and lose it all and then everyone started pulling out of kansas wow um and then there was difficulty in reaching the interior from below because Mm -hmm. of the bluffs and uh it was difficult to get in and do business there after the lower town site was abandoned and uh then historians recall it becoming pretty much a ghost town by the late 1800s. Um, and as far as Western University, um, Eben Blakely, a Presbyterian, started classes uh, in his home for children of former slaves. And uh, he'd been a Wisconsin farmer. Uh, he was also nearly hung as being a, a, a northern spy while trying to find uh, his oldest son, who was a Union soldier. Oh wow! Um, he was he was standing with the noose around his neck, and they're about to hang him for being a northern spy. And they asked him if he had any last words. And his la- what he said for his last words was, he prayed out loud to God to forgive the men who were about to hang him because they were making a mistake and they didn't know that they were hanging an innocent man who was just looking for his son. And after hearing it, they took the noose off his neck and sent him on his way. I'll be damned. <laughs> Um, so anyway, he helped, uh, um, form the Quindaro Freedman School with the other guy, which later became Western University, and this, this event helped him dedicate his life towards helping the, uh, former slaves. Um, the school was chartered in 1867, um, Eben Blakely died in 1877, and Western University has become uh, what's called a HBCU, Historically Black College or University. Okay. And um, its principal in 1872, when the state, state legislature added a four-year normal school, was Charles Henry Langston, um, a leading black abolitionist and activist, educator, and politician in Ohio and Kansas. Uh, it became known for an outstanding music program, Music historian Helen Walker Hill states that Western University at Quindaro was probably the earliest black school west of the Mississippi and best black musical training center in the Midwest for almost 30 years, from the 1900s to the 1920s. Uh, They added a full industrial curriculum, more buildings uh, to house livestock and laundries. Uh, A building was added to teach auto mechanics and repair. But uh, still, in, 18, in 1943, they ran out of money and closed down. 
there are a few cornerstones of some of the buildings, but really the statue of John Brown is the only thing that remains of Western University. Wow. Yeah, it was so historic and influential and one of the first and had so many pioneering firsts and it's just, it's just faded away. It's something wow, else. Wow, that's yeah. too bad. Um, but the archaeological study has found 20 main buildings, two outbuildings, three wells, and a cistern. And that may be where the, the cistern where that woman was hid. Could hid. Have been. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was uh, in 1993, the Kansas State University was in cooperation with the Mayor's Underground Railroad Advisory Commission uh-huh. and the Quindaro Town Preservation Society. They commissioned graduate students to help develop proposals for a park to incorporate the, remo- the ruins and archaeology of Quindaro. And they've submitted 13 proposals on how to turn that area into a commemorative and historic park. But it's been, what, 30 years now? They still can't make up their mind on what proposal and how to do it. <laughs> okay. 30 uh, years. 30 years. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Um, in 1996, the University of Kansas sponsored a major oral history project. Now, it should be verbal history because oral history means you're having oral sex with history. <laughs> but verbal means you're talking. So okay. it should be a verbal history project. I agree. Um because of the brief life of the township of Quindaro, there wasn't really much in uh, written records and, uh, and uh, uh, verbal histories passed down from during, in the families is pretty much all they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there... Uh, okay, in 2018, Quindaro community stakeholders, including historians, archaeologists, scholars, and activists began finally resolving the decades of struggle on how to strategically manage the historic site. So, we'll see. But as of right now in 2023, they still haven't developed it. Okay. So, there's wow. a huge amount of history sitting right there, the waiting to be developed. Even... Nobody else is doing anything with the land, uh-huh. but they still can't figure out exactly how to develop it and then exploit the fact that it's there to educate people and draw in tourism wow. wasted opportunity yeah that is yeah Jeez. and I you know what it. they just you know I, i'm betting that this is the only place you'll even hear about it probably i bet yeah amazing oh well no yeah, so okay. there's quindaro all right pretty damn good story thank I you, thank know you. so much of that i had no idea yeah, I didn't really know about it until I started delivering mail there, and then I started learning about the area, and I thought, wow, if they could see it now, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty sad. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh. Um, well, um, you know A.J. Brown, Pro Bowl wide receiver? Yeah. Okay, for the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh-huh. He got into trouble a couple of times on his recent appearance on the uh, Riot Room podcast. Riot Room? Riot Room podcast. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, number one, he was wearing a Casey Royal baseball hat. Yeah. <laughs> he was lambasted on Twitter for this. Numerous responses from, uh, you uh, just you lose to the Chiefs and you wear their baseball counterparts cap. Mm-hmm. To uh, others taking the Royals versus the Mets in uh, 2015 mm-hmm. when the Royals beat the Mets. Yeah. And I guess since it's up in the Northeast... You know, and, oh yeah, uh, yeah. So they kind of were like, kind of like, 
so Brown got a lot of shit over that. And Brown said he is a huge fan of baseball, and we've always wore most of the team's caps because he's a fan. Yeah. He didn't think anything of it. Then, um, <laughs> then afterwards in the podcast, he was talking about Jalen Hurts' upcoming payday. When he, uh, when he said that the Eagles uh, failed to pay Hurts, they better trade him to the team that Hurts signs with. Again, the Twitter sphere erupted with instant outrage. Brown explained later that all he was doing was showing support for his teammate. Anyhow, Brown needs to stay at home. <laughs> yeah, he's just staying home, in my opinion. Yeah, he he's get his foot like out, out of his mouth. Right. I mean, they did trade for him from uh, the Titans and get him. You yeah. know, I mean, I know what he was saying. With the Jalen Hurd stuff, I get that. Yeah, but it's a better way to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, oh anyhow. gosh. Well, it figures for Philly. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this story about this woman who bought an, a car. As this oh, happened she was in Philly. from Philly. Yeah. 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 She was so excited about buying this car. She she made this video of herself posing in front of it with a bill of sale, and there's a, a bow on the car, and she's striking all these poses. But get this, she bought a 1998 Ford Escort. So it's, what, 25 years old? And And it's an Escort. Even when it was new, the Ford Escort was their cheap-ass, bottom-of-the-line import car. It's made in China and imported, and they stick a Ford logo on it. She's paying more now for it than she would have paid for it brand new back then. She's paying $289 a month for seven years. This is a woman who failed every math class she ever took. Oh, gosh. She didn't bother to do just a simple calculation of, you know, 300 a month. That's 3,600 a year times seven years. That's about 25 grand. This is why you keep your credit good, folks. Um, I don't know if this was the deal, but it sounds to me like maybe this woman couldn't get credit anywhere. Mm -hmm. And this is all she could get. But even at that, you can get... You know, the car is worth maybe, what, $3,000, $5,000 at the most? At the most. And that, you know, if it's in really good shape and runs well? It's in really good shape and runs well and has like under 50,000 miles. She's paying seven times more than the car is worth. I'd like to, did it say the mileage? No, I, I you'd have to download the app for the oh, okay. newspaper in order to get the rest oh, of the story. Oh, this is one of those short stories, yeah. too. Yeah. But this okay. shows several pictures of her posing and looking so proud. And she's got this awful piece of crap that insurance value is going to be about, I don't know, a grand. If you she see, gets into a minor fender bender, they're going to total the car. Yeah. And she's going to wind up still paying on it for the next seven years. I bet she doesn't have gap insurance. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Gap insurance would only take her to 12000 maybe? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Boy, Chilly. that's stupid. Jeez. Chilly. Um, yeah, but people yeah. can't, and you know, this is the kind of stupid, uninformed consumer that businesses love and wish we all would turn into. Yes. Um, a Ford Escort was notorious for only lasting about 100,000 miles. Mm-hmm. I would like to know a car of that um, that age, how many miles it has on it. Oh, I'll bet God. you it's over 100,000. They have those little sewing machine engines in them. Yes. You know, those little, little piece of crap. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, those things, if you revved them up, you could hear the tire, the rod get ready to fucking yep. just explode through the cylinder. <laughs> the push rods are made out of bobby pins. <laughs> <laughs> you literally, whenever you revved up, I owned a couple of escorts, you revved up on me, you hear it go, and it's like, oh, shit, I better stop. I'm going to throw it right through the damn engine. 
And you know the right picture of this block. proud woman. There's the dude standing next to her. I don't know if his husband, brother, boyfriend, dad, whatever. But Idiot. <laughs> apparently he's not too smart either because he's got a grin on his face thinking like they they just got a great deal. <laughs> I tell you, there there better be about 500 pounds of black tar heroin in that car. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no kidding. That would be the only reason to I pay. Want a, I want to follow up with her in three years. Oh, yeah. I want to see if she still has a car, which I'm betting she doesn't. You know, I, I saw a documentary a while back about used car business, and this was oh, an actual dirty. reality kind of thing. None of it was staged. They actually, um, I, I think the name of it was called like The Fixer or something like that. It's a guy who hires himself out to car dealerships, and he'll mm-hmm. come in, revamp, revitalize, and have some big sales event to get your used car department going again, and then he's off to the next place. So he's like, you know, uh, Robert Irvine does it for restaurants. This guy does it for used car places. Oh, so he came in with the film crew, and he's saying, you know, we're going to have this big sales event, and we're going to put every single car, used car you have on sale. And he told them, here's the price structure. You know, put this price you know, on this level of cars, then a higher price on this level, and this higher price on this level. And he said, there's going to be one car that's going to be priced at $79.99. $79.99. But no one's going to know which car it is until they make the deal, and then we reveal whether or not their one is the winner. So, you're, you know, you, you bargain on the price of the car, and you get that car for that price. Or it might be that one car on the lot that suddenly it's only $79. And, but what they did is they put that price on the shittiest car in the lot. Mm-hmm. They showed it, it was, it, they started it up, it sounded awful, it was leaking oil and radiator fluid. I mean, bad, it was gushing. And that's the condition they were selling it in. How could they do that? Well, it depends. It's just a used car lot. They're unregulated. They okay. can sell any piece of shit they want, and it's up to the buyer to figure out what they're getting. Wow. Yeah, so then they showed the, the, the rest of the show. They had their big sales event, and they showed the, the used car cust- uh, salesman doing their fake cheering and celebrating when somebody would get a deal. And, uh-huh. and they eventually, you know, someone, someone got the $79 car, and she was so happy, and she was so excited, and it made a big deal, and they sold her the, the rust-proofing and the undercoating and all this other bullshit packaging. And, uh-huh. and then at the final end of the documentary, the camera crew followed this woman home with her car, and she pulled it into her, in her driveway, and her dad came out and looked at it, and he popped the hood, and he was just shaking his head. And he's pointing out, it's like... You know, the transmission is shot. You know, the radiator's leaking. Like, all these tires are bad. You know, the whole car was just—it was worthless and it was not roadworthy. Wow. It would never be able to be registered and licensed without you thousands see, of dollars of repair. That's where I thought the problem was going to come in. Is I thought that every car—maybe it's not in every state though—if you sell a car, it has to pass inspection and be ready to go. Yeah. But I guess not in that. Not state. in this case. Okay. Yeah, all but. Right. The, the documentary le- you know, left with showing that woman and her dad looking at this just dismal failure of a car that she'd just go, you know, with sales tax and all the extras, she spent over $500 on it, and it was worthless. They were going to have to pay somebody to haul it away. 
And the, and the car dealership was like, yeah, that was great. We loved yeah, it. Yeah, rust-proofing. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. So somebody like that sold this poor woman this 98 Escort. Oh, my God. What a what a disgusting piece of shit, really, who would do that. God. Knowingly I could, rip somebody off like that. I mean... Couldn't you, look at myself in the mirror. To me, that's the exact same thing as taking a fucking gun and robbing somebody. Mm-hmm. It's... All aware of the Amber Alert, right? Well, get rid of your disinfectants and rubber bedspreads, kids. It's the all-new Amber Herd Alert System. This fantastic early warning device helps one stay dry and rid of all those annoying mattress invoices. Simply hook up to child under six or psychopath and wait for the running water sound. This clever machine has three distinct settings, babbling brook, ocean waves, and roaring river for those close calls. Order today and get a free Cinnabon Renewsit cartridge. To douchebagsandmicrophone.net, your one stop for everything douchebaggery. You want to write us? You want to say something to us? You want to look for a live button? When we go live, you can call in. All of this stuff is right there for your ear holes and eye holes. You got it, chumps. It's all yours. Two douchebags and microphone.net is up and running. Hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I'm Tober. Alright, you have a, a list of, uh, of things. Uh, yeah, and it, it, another follow-up for, for Black History Month is uh, I ran across a list of things that people of color, uh, unwritten rules for people of color to get along in a white-dominated society like America. And uh, the article referred to, uh, they use the acronym POC, People of Color. Um, so if their article was using it, I'm presuming it's okay. Uh, I guess. Okay. So here's here was the first one on the we'll list. We'll find out. Yeah. Okay. A black woman in public who raises her voice will immediately immediately get tagged as angry black woman, and people will stop taking her seriously. That kind of makes sense, you know. Yeah, I guess. If so. you're somewhere and you saw a black woman shouting and yelling. I think a lot of people's reaction would be, oh, angry black woman, and they just, you know, tune her out and turn their head. But maybe she has a really good reason to be yelling and angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the woman who was interviewed for this article said, uh, yeah, I really have to watch myself in public because if I lose my temper, then I lose all credibility. Nobody pays attention to me. They just can't wait to get rid of me. But, you know, a, a soccer mom, a blonde, blue-eyed soccer mom can yell and scream, and people are... You know, bending over backwards to give her what she wants. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Here's another tip. When shopping, always get a bag and receipt from the store, no matter what. Because otherwise, you're going to be accused of shoplifting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Never even thought about that one Yeah, either. uh-huh. There's plenty of times I say, you know, I don't need a bag, you know, because yeah. I don't want to waste a bag. Yeah, same here. But I always get the receipt. And I always carry the two together plainly as I, I walk out the door. I see the bag and receipt when you walk in. You yeah. have it and go, look, I got my bag, I got my receipt, mm-hmm. I'm not stealing. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's another good tip. If you're pulled over by the cops, get the proof of insurance and registration out of the glove cop box before the cop gets to the window. Because if you wait till he's there and reach over the glove box, he's going to think you're going oh, for I a gun. Oh, I already knew that. Yep. I've, know, I've known enough uh, yep. of... Uh, 
African Americans. I mean, I, I'm not sure. Probably Hispanic. Well, actually, I knew some Hispanics yeah. too that said that. They said, no, no, no. They said you make sure and have your driver's license have it all right out, there, sitting yeah. out. Yeah. And yeah, as a, a 20, 20 something with long hair and earrings, I did the same thing. Oh, I did too. Yeah. I did too. Because I was immediately presumed to be a druggie. Same here. Yeah. Yep. Matter of All fact, right. I had a gun pulled on me because I was going for the fucking glove box mm-hmm. uh, because they asked for my ID and yep. it was in the glove box. And then I had to explain, you can come right over and keep the gun on me. Mm-hmm. I'm getting my ID out of the glove box. Yeah. So, anyhow. Uh, when, also, when shopping, a person of color should approach the sales staff immediately and ask questions in a high-pitched voice because a high-pitched voice is generally seen as less threatening. And if you approach the sales staff and engage them immediately, that'll keep them from just following you around and watching, waiting for them to seal stuff. I'll be damned. Yeah. Okay. So if you walk in, hi, I'm really interested in this blender over here. I really got my eye. The sales staff are like, okay, this person's cool. But if you just walk in and walk over to the blender and start looking around, the sales staff's You're like... you still a blender. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, when uh, having a medical emergency and going to the emergency room, this one woman said she always puts on her college jacket because if the ER staff knows that she went to college, they'll give her better medical care. Wow. Yeah. And I, I've always heard of your job status gets you medical medical care. I've heard that too, and yeah. I believe that's probably mm-hmm. true. But she said... You know, always make sure they know you are a college so, graduate. So, a dishwasher probably gets horrible care. Yeah. They're like, he's not going to pay it back anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. Or they'll see uh, a Latino man with, like, you know, who's a, a contractor, a landscaper. They're going to think, oh, yeah, he's an illegal. Let's just yeah, give him the bare right. minimum because we'll never get a, you know money out of him. I do believe that there is a certain thought process yeah. like that. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe not all hospitals and medical facilities, but I would venture yeah. to say a few of them at least and it's, and also where you're at let's let's be honest if you're going to like uh um st luke south or something mm-hmm. i'll bet you that that i don't know this for sure because i use them and they're a very fine hospital but i mean i wonder like the process of where they take you in if there isn't certain things that they write on there that kind of indicate, like, ah. They have somebody go out and check what kind of car you drove in on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and this I guy's got a Lexus. Let him have an MRI. Like I said, I don't want to say anything bad about him because I've got great treatment from him, and I yeah. do love the St. Luke, the whole St. Luke system. Yeah. But it does make you wonder if they know that you're probably not going to be able to pay it back. Yeah. Keep in mind, almost every hospital is a for-profit business. Yes. And They're yeah. in business to make and a profit. there's nothing wrong with what we're saying about that because mm-hmm. you're allowed to make a profit in America and it's yeah. expected. So I get it. But understand but, if it's health care and it's run for profit, you're not getting the best health care. No. You're getting the most cost effective health care yes. for them. Um, that's how come <laughs> the insurance companies have so much influence in what you do. Yeah. Yep. There's some migraine medications that um now, I, I suppose I could get, but insurance won't pay for until I jump through all these hoops and do these things first and try that and fail that and blah, blah, blah. So my doctor isn't even going to bother to prescribe it to me because she knows that insurance won't pay for it. I could still get it if I could say, I'll pay for it myself. I won't even submit it to insurance if she thinks it's the right thing for me. 
but at the same time, the insurance companies are telling her, no, don't jump the line like that. Make everybody go through the hoops. Mm-hmm. So you probably couldn't talk a doctor into it. And the whole idea behind it is, is they don't care if it makes you better or not. They don't want to pay for it. Yeah. 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 So back to um, something you mentioned a while back, sundown towns. Mm-hmm. Where uh, I've seen the actual pictures of the sign that it would say, don't let the sun set on your ass I, in this I've town. I've actually seen that in yeah. Texas. Yeah. Come be so Texas. The recommendation is when you're traveling and it's getting close, you know, later in the day, get a full tank of gas so you don't have to stop anywhere. Yes. You don't want to stop in one of those sundown towns needing gas or a meal or something. Yep. So plan ahead that way. I've actually seen this tell... Um, think it's 94 when it finally disappeared for good mm-hmm. because it would disappear periodically someone would be bold enough even though they're threatened with uh, gunshots or whatever if you get near the sign uh-huh. um it was um periodically you would have it disappear someone would be bold enough to go steal it but it would show back up yep somebody probably had about six of them pre-made in their garage <laughs> yeah and they're like hey someone bold enough to get it well go ahead and throw the sign back at you know so, hey, I think it finally disappeared for good. Yeah. In like 94. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was there till 94. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow. <coughs> You've seen those roadside <coughs> signs. They look like they're a little trailer. Uh-huh. And uh, they have a, <coughs> a different message that appears on them. Um, those are they're usually put out by the Department of Transportation or whoever's working on the road. They're on those little orange trailers. Uh-huh. Those are apparently super easy to hack into. Oh and yeah, you can yeah, they reprogram are. Because I've them seen those, whatever kind of I've message seen some you want. Yeah, I have too. Ooh, yeah, I've seen some n bombs on those and and some other things. Yeah, too, and yeah. someone's like, Sexual I can't believe this is in Ohio. And someone said, Yeah, it was hacked. You know, this isn't the Ohio Department yeah. of Transportation. And I would this, think so. that that would be normal thought. Like, okay, they didn't do this. Obviously, someone hacked into it. But a lot of people are like, Oh, they did this. No, they yeah. didn't do it. I guarantee you, they didn't. <laughs> so here's another tip. If you're walking in a neighborhood, walk in the middle of the road and don't look at people's stuff. Oh, if you're walking on the side, in one side of the road, then people will think, ooh, you're too close to my stuff. And if you're looking at their, you know, what they have in their front yard and stuff, people will tend to think you're casing for a, for a robbery spree or something. Mm-hmm. And this even goes if you're in your own neighborhood, of course. <laughs> uh, another tip: People of color are ten, are usually required to overachieve in order just to overcome the expectations that employers have of, oh, you know, this is a you know a black guy or a Hispanic woman. I don't expect much from them. So you overachieve wow. to break through that. If you do just the regular amount. They're still going to think you're being a slacker because white employers tend to look at the white employees as being the better ones. Wow. They look like me, that kind wow, of thing. That's so interesting. you have to overachieve just to break even. I can see that definitely. Um, if you're another shopping one, keep your hands out of your pockets when you're in the store. Oh, or yeah. you're going to have an employee following you around everywhere. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. Uh, yep. Um, here's the one we talked about this the other day on like an example of a TV show a black man generally should not get into an elevator with a lone white woman wow 
because you're trapped you're in that elevator just the two of you with nobody looking if there's no security camera footage or whatever the elevator door opens anything could be said anything could be claimed or said and people are going to tend to believe the poor white woman who was in that elevator with that evil black man for so long wow so yeah it's like the door opens you're like uh uh no I'm taking the stairs (laughs) wow um let's see if I can read my own Okay, this this is for uh, like uh, the children of uh, um, like say your parents are different ethnicities, and you're the child of that union. They tend to act like whatever parent they're with. So say you okay. have a, a white mom and a black black dad. Uh-huh. If you're out with your white mom, they recommend act white because you're with your white parent. And then if you're out with your black dad, the recommendation is act black because you're with your black parent. Oh, wow. You'll be more accepted if you're acting the way, the way, the color of whichever parent you're with. It is. Wow. And I can definitely see that working. Imagine a, a black man taking his All this, uh, child this who's stuff part is white, stuff part that black to the... you never think about yeah. because we're not in those shoes. No. Isn't it? It's just eye-opening. Yeah. And this is stuff that people have to, you know, figure it out. And they tell each other, and they actually have to do a lot of people on a daily and basis. This is stuff where we would really have no clue because we wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's just not in our. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another one for shopping. Put off earbuds out when you're in the store. Yeah. Otherwise, you're considered a threat, and you're only there in any moment you're going to whip out a gun. Wow. That's presumption a lot of people make. I can definitely see that happening. Uh, you have to be careful of the music you play. Um, if people judged me by the music I played, they think they would think a lot of all sorts of different things oh, about me. Oh, yeah, same here. So you could have someone who's not really all that gangsta, but is listening to gangsta rap. Now, your typical white guy like me listening to gangsta rap, nobody would think anything of it. No. But, they, they view you as a wannabe. Yeah, but a young black man listening to what they consider threatening music, and they're like, it's suddenly a threat. Ooh, oh, this is scary. Ooh, what's he doing here? Oh, he Keep has your a eye gun on, on him. him. I guarantee yeah. he has a gun on him. Yeah. But it's just the music you're listening to, and they form an opinion about you as a person. I could see that very yeah. easily. Yeah. Wow. Um, if you're standing in line, this this applies a lot to black men. If you're standing in line behind a white woman, stand back far enough that there's absolutely no way either one of you can accidentally touch the other. Because it will be misinterpreted. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that is. Um, Another shopping one. You walk into a store, you should have a product-related question already in mind to show you have a reason to be in the store. Like you go into a plumbing supply store and they come up, what are you doing here? Oh, well, I needed to get, you know, a, a, a ball cock valve. You know, I'm repairing a toilet. They're like, oh, okay. You yeah. know what you're talking about. And they leave you alone. But if you say, oh, I'm just browsing, they're like, yeah, of course you are. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you. it was something like this, one of your first ones that you did. And this goes in a little bit deeper into it, like a specialty mm-hmm. store to where you can yeah, like kind yeah. of... Yeah, anyhow, I see that. You can kind of like uh, be like, well, I'm in Lowe's, so I'm going to ask about um, 
oh no, um, windows, or you know, come yeah. up with a question, or a yeah. plywood question, yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, this one applies a lot to people who work uh, late shifts and drive home late at night. Mm-hmm. Keep your work ID on and visible the entire drive. No, home. I used to do that uh, yeah. when I worked late nights, and and the reason is because. It would get you away from, it would separate you away from the bar scene. Yeah. You have your name tag still on. Yeah. They don't think, what's this guy coming home this late? Uh-huh. And it's like, well, you know, I work nights. Here's my, yeah. you know, you don't have to say it. It's already there automatically. Yeah. You're not like ready to give you a breathalyzer because you're wearing yep. a work tag. And if you have, if you wear a uniform at work, you know, wear it home. Yes. So people, you know, they'll look at you and say, oh, someone coming home from work. Yeah, this no guy went at the bars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, driving into a flu shot event that KU Med Center was putting on one year. I worked at the Rosedale post office that was nearby, and there's an enormous line of cars, and it was right where I needed to turn on 36 to go up to the post office. So I drove around this whole line of cars with everyone giving me dirty looks, thinking I was line jumping, and I pulled up to the... uh, uh, police officer that's directing traffic and he was giving me a sour look like what the hell are you doing get back in line and i just held up my postal id and said i need to get to the post office right up there and he's like oh okay no problem and he smiled real big and he made the cars move and he waved me on my way he's like that's all it took he went from i hate this guy to oh let me help you out hey, hang on You're i showed him yeah. an id yep uh, it's powerful it's yeah, very powerful i guess so um, people of color are recommended to dress more formally at work to be taken more seriously. You could be dressed exactly the Another same way as I everyone would never else. Get unless mm-hmm. I, yeah. Yeah. And that's something that struck me is I'm accustomed to seeing well dressed black women. Yeah. That's that's pretty much all you yeah. see on TV. If it's if it's any kind of sympathetic or in charge character in on TV, and, and it's a black woman. She is always very well dressed, perfectly made up. Hair's always perfect, and that's kind of what I expect in public. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, okay. TV is training us. Yep, you got to fight back on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay, hospital staff. Hospitals hire a lot of people of various ethnicities, but they say if you're a person of color, don't touch a, per, a patient's purse. Oh, I never even thought about yeah. that. Yeah. If you're seen touching it, you will be accused of stealing. Wow. Yeah. That's a powerful one. You might be there taking their temperature, giving them their life-saving medicine, rushing the doctor over to help them, but by God, if you touch their purse, get that damn whatever out of here. They're stealing my money. Wow. Yeah. That's not everybody, but you know, these are tips to make life easier so you don't get into situations of you know, really grave misunderstandings. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I, uh, I get what it's saying is just be careful. It's not saying like everybody is inherently going to think that you did that. It means like there's a certain percentage of people that might raise their eyebrow, which means try yep. to handle the, yeah, I get yep. it, yeah. And they also recommend, since a lot of hospitals have video cameras and surveillance around, is to always stay within view. Never never step into a blind spot and always make sure the that patient's so belongings weird. are always going, in full view. Where's the camera view. at so they know I'm not doing anything uh-huh. wrong? Uh-huh. Wow. 
intentionally staying in view of the camera, building up an alibi just in case you're going to need it. Oh, wow. What a horrible way to have to live your life. Oh. Here's a good one. Don't wear the same brand into the store or you'll be accused of stealing. If you're going into a Nike store, don't wear Nikes in. Because if they don't see you walking in with them, they're going to think you put them on in the store and walking no out kidding, with them. No kidding, especially if they're fairly new. Uh-huh. And it's common to get really nice, new, expensive shoes and keep them nice and new looking. So they look brand new all the time. And if you happen to be walking around in them and walk out of the store, they're like, those shoes are brand new, you stole them. And you don't have a receipt on you. Isn't that crazy? But yes. if you wear Adidas into the Nike store, no problem. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Here's a big one. For people of color, never buy your children toy guns. Ever. I've known that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, if anyone gives them a toy gun, throw it away. To me, that's common sense. Yeah. yeah. But you know, for people of color, that is way more important than for little white kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's important for everybody, but I can definitely no, see. No, no, I can get that. I know? get why it'd be more important. Yeah. yeah. There's a 13-year-old red-headed white kid in a t-shirt and jeans, and he's got this plastic gun. He's generally not going to be in trouble. Yep. 13-year-old black kid wearing something that somebody's going to misinterpret as gang insignia or gang colors. They see anything that looks like a gun, they're going to call the police or start shooting. Well, why do so many places have a no-hoodie policy? Um... I'm guessing is because of the stereotype of the person hiding their identity when they they come in wearing a hoodie to that's hide their think, identity. That's what I think it is too. Yeah. So unless you're willing to take the hood that. off and show yeah. your face to the store security cameras, then they think don't want you. Think of how in. many restaurants and stores are like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they say it's an ID issue, which I can also get that too. In yeah. case someone does something, they can see who they are. I get uh-huh. that, but I also think it's a little bit more in depth, uh, like you just said. Yeah. They'd never admit that, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I think it's a little bit more in-depth than that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, they could say the same thing about, say, a, a, a white woman who comes in with her hair dyed a different color. Well, you're concealing your identity. Well, they you could. can't come in here with dyed hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you have to do a check. You have to do a carpet drape check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go, hey, come here. All right. Here's Drop one. Them. Yeah. Up. <laughs> Let's check the pit here. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one that goes back to uh, the days of slavery and treating black people as livestock. Complaints of pain are generally ignored in black people. Because there's, there's for a lot of white people, there's a long ingrained belief that black people are tougher and don't feel the pain the way we do. Wow. It beca- and I think that grew out so of... So they automatically don't believe it? Yeah. They- it's like, you know, oh, my leg hurts. Ah, well, walk it off. Yeah, you'll be fine. You don't feel pain the way we do. You're, that you're kind tough. Of attitude. You used to plow fields. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're fine. And that grew out of an attitude of having to dehumanize these people that you were using as making farm them, implements. Making them implements and animals. Uh-huh. That's right. Wow. So you didn't really care. You know, if your horse came up lame, you're like, you know, oh, well, I'll get that taken care of. But you didn't stay awake at night babying the horse and feeling bad for it. No, that's right. So they would treat their slaves the same way. And then after slavery was abolished, the attitude perpetuated they would see people of color working hard and, and toiling and really putting out the effort and they'd think oh eh, 
they don't care. They don't feel tired or pain the way we No, they're just working their asses off. Yeah. But the lazy white people would rather think, oh, they just don't feel things the way we do. Yeah, they're hurting. It's okay for them. You you know, good luck telling anyone that. Hey, Uh I'm hurting. Okay, sure. Yeah. They would feel about it the way they feel about the fish hook in the fish's mouth. Oh, no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Here's one that uh, at my... uh, three stepsons have to worry about if you're Middle Eastern you're way better off if you're shaved and dressing like a Westerner I agree with that 100% yeah because you you know Jesse, Kyle, and Ryan my wife's kids their father is Lebanese Uh and if either of those three boys grows their beard out and goes to the airport they're going to get followed and they're going to get hassled and they're going to get strip surged and uh, yeah because they have the look. They've got a Middle Eastern look. Mm-hmm. But if they stay clean shaven and dress in like concert t-shirts and jeans and stuff, you know, they pretty much pass as white. Yes. But you put them in any kind of anything close to a Middle Eastern garb or grow out the facial hair, then all of a sudden, whoa, terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> Stereotypes are funny. Yep. I mean, I mean this is three of my kids. Yeah. <laughs> God. And you won't know that unless you're in their shoes or witness it. Yeah. 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 When I first started dating Cindy, uh, Ryan had grown his beard out quite long. And uh, he looked like a cross between, uh, I mean, I'm, I mean this in a good way, but someone would look at him and think he was a cross between the Unabomber and Osama bin Laden <laughs> and maybe Saddam Hussein, you know, because he yeah. had, he had you know, a lot of hair, big beard, and, you know, like, you know, he's all, I mean, he cleans up great. I mean, he's a great looking kid. But uh, people will make assumptions. You know, no, they, they do. They see these Middle Eastern bearded men on TV being called terrorists. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, they all are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Scary. Uh, let's see. Be near a camera when handling money at work. Mm-hmm. If you're a white guy, probably still a good idea. If you're a person of color, very good idea. Because they're looking to blame somebody if money turns up missing. Yep. Yep. And always have proof of citizenship. I mean, yeah, it's a good idea for everybody, um, but this is one of the things that are like a little bit more pressing for the people you're talking about. So yeah, but yeah, always have proof of citizenship, especially if you're traveling near a border somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking your native language loudly will attract hostile attention. Yes. Speaking your native language in a conversational tone will probably attract some hostility because people don't but not like as not, much because yeah, yeah it, people don't like not knowing what you're saying and they're going to instantly assume you're saying something bad about and them. And also, if it's spoken loudly, a lot of languages sound more abrasive than aggressive. what they're really. Yeah. yeah, like if you shout German, it sounds really aggressive and really harsh, and it's it's it's. Not a friendly sounding language. In no, my it's opinion. just the way they speak, though, the way they enunciate. Yeah, the a lot of harsh consonants yeah. and, and chopped words. It's nothing and, to them because that's the way they speak. Yeah. But if we hear it, we're like, oh my God, uh-huh. what the hell are they telling that poor person? Yeah. But actually, you're just telling them, hey, that's down the road and you want to go to the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, isn't it funny how I, I can't speak a lot of these languages I hear, but I can kind of tell what language is being spoken? 
Like, I don't speak Italian, but I can recognize Italian from how mm-hmm. it sounds. I don't speak Spanish. I can recognize... Well, I can't really tell the difference between Spanish and Portuguese. They're similar. They're very similar, yeah. Um, um, but, you know, uh, I can pretty much always recognize Japanese, um, although Korean and Chinese sometimes fool Japanese me. doesn't fit the bill, but I've got an explanation for some of this. Yeah. Most of the languages you forespoke of are from Latin. Yeah, the Romance languages. Yes. You know, French yes. and Italian. And, so automatically yeah. there's a certain amount of it that does parlay over in the same way with uh, Greek. Yeah. Greek language is everywhere except mm-hmm. maybe Asian languages. Yeah. But you hear so many different things from Metropolis, mm-hmm. you know, to... Uh, Colosseum. Colosseum, yeah. They're all from the Greek language. Or, and then, or is that maybe Roman or Latin? But yeah, yeah, mathematics is full of Greek terms. Yes, and yeah, there's so many different things that Mm -hmm. came from that. So when you hear it... um, It's familiar. Yeah, it's very familiar, so you kind of have an idea already of what it is. So... Uh, Oh, I've got more. Um, Okay, here's a good one specifically for Asians. Pronounce everything extremely well, because if you mispronounce... People think it's funny. Oh yeah, and they, they do. Will laugh yes, at you. yeah. And yes. I've heard, I've seen that happen firsthand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like I'm going I'm going to be growing over there. Oh, big uh-huh. funny. Yeah. And they're like going, you know, what what did I do? You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, an attractive French woman mispronounces a word, and you're like, oh, let me help cute. you, dear. But an Asian Asian person, you're like, oh, silly, silly. Poor little Asian person. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've yep. seen that firsthand. Uh, let's see. Don't drive slowly in nice or white neighborhoods. I mean, you may be there just checking out the Christmas lights or the landscape, maybe, landscaping. Maybe you got lost. Maybe, maybe you're yeah. looking for a house to buy. Maybe you want to move in that neighborhood. Yeah. But if you're a person of color driving slowly in the white neighborhood... They're going to think you're casing every house. No, I've seen that happen before, too. And I've yeah. seen people come to the door, clean their shotguns, shit like that. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, wearing like, traditional clothing in public generally will get hostile reactions. Mm-hmm. So in private is better. Yeah. Uh, don't walk too close to white people. A person of color walking closely to a white person, they're going to think you're trying to pick their pocket. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of cultures have much closer social distances than we do. And it's okay to be, you know, within well, a foot of somebody and so just be talking. We're so spread out here, generally. Yeah. Spread yeah. out here in America. Now, if you live in Manhattan or downtown L.A. or something, that's, that's not true. what That's true. You're used about. to more crowds. Yeah. But. but, like, here in Kansas City, we're not used to even what someone in New York would feel as a comfort zone. Yeah. Like because you're, you're, we're so spread out here, uh-huh. we're used to big yards and people not being near us. Now imagine you're standing at the bar, and you've ordered some drinks, and you're waiting for them to come, and there's a person standing behind you, and they're so close that they're almost touching you. I would feel nervous and upset. Yeah, I would too, because I'm not used to it. I'd be like, hey. But in a lot of parts of the world, that's just, no, that's just a crowd. Now let me, let me put it like this, though. What if that's a very attractive female? Hmm. Then my wife would probably come in and say, get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, I was just standing here. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. I mean, no. wouldn't that be a little different, though, if it's just some dude? Yeah. 
I, I think myself it and probably different. you both yeah. would be a little bit more better with that. We'd be like, ah, okay, I guess she's not hurting anything. <laughs> <laughs> Here's yeah, a good one. If you're going to be in a large group of people, a gathering of something, scan the room for other people of color in case you need an ally. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or someone to back up your story. Yeah, like if someone starts shit with you uh-huh. and a punch is thrown, like they throw one at you or something. Uh-huh. And yeah, then you'd be like, hey, they were right here and they saw it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Although I've always been the guy that was like, you know, hey, I... <laughs> You know, even though I'm classified as white, I was always the guy who's kind of like, oh, no, man, white yeah. guy probably fucking done it. Yeah. <laughs> Just on surface stuff, a lot of times I found out, like, a hypocritical stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's the way I've always been, but go ahead. Here's another one, good one for uh, uh, mixed families. Uh-huh. Carry pictures of your kids in case they look more like the other parent. Or oh, you might wow. get accused of this not being your kid. Never even thought about that. Yeah. Wow. Freaky. Wow. It's like you know, a, a something happens and you say, you know, oh, that's my son. He doesn't look like you. Can you prove that's your kid? You want to infuriate somebody. Yeah. You could get locked out of like your child's health care or custody because they just don't believe you. Wow. Yeah. Scary shit. Yeah, it is. Never even thought about that being a possibility. Hmm. Wow. Anyhow, go ahead. Um, if you have a traditional name, people will think you're a recent arrival and will uh, be less trustworthy. So add an American-sounding middle name. Oh, I got what you're saying, yeah. So if your name is Quan Lee, you know, be Quan Stephen Lee. And they'll think, oh, okay, he's Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, but if you're just Quan Lee, then... Deep. He's yeah. all right. But if you're just Quan Lee, they're like, oh, yeah, how long you been here? But adding just one American-sounding middle name just, like, wow. busts down, like, half the doors. Wow. Okay. And here's here's one that also applies to my, my kids. Never speak Arabic at security checkpoints. No. No. <laughs> I've seen that done a couple of times. It did not end up well. No. Isn't that crazy? A language is now considered proof of being a terrorist. Yeah. Wow. Well, one of, them, <laughs> one of them I'm pretty sure was Indian, like India, Indian or uh-huh. Hindu or something like that, and not even Arabic. Yeah. But they were treated differently ever since they were talking to mm-hmm. because I don't think that the person there, the TSA guy, fully understood mm-hmm. where their origin was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and what a what a bizarre world to live in where a very common and commonly spoken language suddenly gets specifically identified as I right the language 9/11, of terrorists. 9-11, I mean, myself included. Mm. Well, all of a sudden you see uh, someone of Arab descent getting on your plane. <gasps> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it was the way that it was presented by the media that was like yeah. really made you like, uh, oh no, I better watch this. This could be one of them, mm-hmm. you know. Right after 9-11, I was working at the Argentine station at that time in KCK, and we had a substitute carrier. Uh, his, his first name was Homer. Um, I can't remember his last name, but he was Venezuelan by ethnicity and nationality. You know, he was a Venezuelan citizen, but he was here 
you know, because he wanted to become American. He had a work visa, and, you know, and everything was, you know, by the book. Um, He's the epitome of what we should welcome here. Yeah. Um, Complexion-wise, he was really dark. Uh-huh. And after 9-11, he started getting harassed uh, and threatened by people who thought he was uh, an Arab or a Middle Easterner or uh-huh. Saudi or whatever. And he was being called terrorist. And people were actually calling the post office and demanding to get a different letter carrier because they didn't feel safe. Wow. Just because of the way he looked. Isn't that insane that people had the audacity yeah. to even... Me, I would feel, I don't know, like shit having to call up and go, well, I'll trust this guy just because of how he looks. Uh, yeah. And you know, what the post office wanted to be able to say was... It doesn't matter how people look. They're a postal employee. That's that. But what they wound up saying was, oh, don't worry, he's Venezuelan. He just looks like he's Middle Eastern or Arabic, but he's so really from Venezuela. No. They just they just put people's fears at ease by, by oh, he's telling this guy's personal information, about. you know? What if he didn't want people to know where he was from yeah, for whatever yeah, reason? Yeah, that's kind of a shitty way to do yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, so he's like, Venezuelan. Yeah. So in other words, you're saying, yeah, all Middle Eastern are terrorists. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. He's Venezuelan. Yeah. So what what the bosses did was they started pushing Homer into the uh, Hispanic areas. And he so would they go. Would know, and yeah. even then, sometimes he wouldn't be recognized, but all he had to do was start talking. Yeah, and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But in the white areas and in the black neighborhoods, they thought he was Middle Eastern and they did not want him. And he, there was a couple of times that he had to leave work because he'd been threatened and chased and he really feared for his life. And that was brutal. <laughs> I remember the big uh, swell of Asian hate that came up in the wake of COVID? Yes. Yeah, anybody who looked remotely Asian was being blamed for COVID, and, yeah, scariness. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my big, uh, that's my big list of uh, unofficial, unwritten rules. That's pretty, some of them were pretty eye-opening, honestly. Yeah, I mean, true. some of them were pretty, you know, yeah. You some it. of them you get it, and it also applies to people who might, you know, look, you know, like if you're heavily tatted or if you don't have... Oh, that, head hair. Yes, that's you know. going away a lot more now because it seems like everybody's tatted. Yeah. Actually, people that aren't tatted, people are questioning now. Yeah. You never got a tattoo? Why not? <laughs> well, my immune system works just fine without ink in it. Yeah, so, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I didn't want that on me. Yeah. Maybe I don't want any ink on me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be okay with drawing temporary images, you know, let them wear off, but something that permanent... Eh, I don't think I... Just never appealed to you. No, I, I think I've changed my mind at a certain point and wish it wasn't there. Yeah. Hey, where'd everybody go? Where are the douchebags? Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, I'm glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Oh, man, that smells. 